It's here then at the Weekend Watches Royal Ascot 2021 preview. Um, I'm glad we've had so many of you making sure we're going to do one, but we are. Here it is. Um, we're going to cover Tuesday and Wednesday's racing mainly. If the guys got anything else they want to say at the end, they can. And then they will cover throughout the week for you. Um, I'm sure majority of the races through all the videos and tips for Thursday, Friday as well. Uh, and then we'll cover uh, Saturdays in our next preview, which is normally recorded on a Thursday. So uh, do check all those out. We are forecast a bit of rain, aren't we, later in the week? So do wonder what they'll do about watering um, at Royal Ascot. But uh, the first race on day one then at 2.30 is the Queen Anne Stakes, Group 1, uh, over a mile. We don't have to wait long to see Palace Pier, which I'm really looking forward to. We've got a couple of uh, horses who've won the race in the past as well. We've got Lord Glitters and Accidental uh, Agent both in there. Obviously, Pally's Pier not value in the race, so I suppose that's something for us to try and find. Um, Daryl, do you want to start us this week? Yes. Um, yeah, belter of a race, this, this opening one. Very difficult to try and take Pally's Pier on. I think I was I was going through and I was trying to pick little things out. Like, I thought he might have been favoured by the bias at Newbury, slightly middle to stand side. This is going to be the fastest ground he's raced on since, since a two-year-old at, at Sandown. I'm not a total believer, to be honest with you, of the Newbury form with Lady Beaufort in second. I, I I can't have the fact that she's improved nine pounds there. Like, and there's a lot of horses in behind that just underperformed on the day. He still did it impressively, so you know it's yeah. very difficult to, to to pull him apart. To be honest, uh, I'm going to play in the without markets for this race, and I'm going to I'm going to back two. I'm going to back bless him at uh, fifty to one. Um, obvious reasons. He, he loves the track. Um, if he can put up a sim similar performance to what he did when beating Lord North here. Um, he's going to be there or thereabouts with a shout. Um, he's got a fantastic straight track record. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, he was beaten eight levels by Palace Pier at Sandown last time out. But his straight track, it just sees him to best effect. Um, he's not going to improve. He's got tons to find, but he's a big price and I think he could hit the frame. The other one is Accidental Agent. Um, I thought it was a cracking run at Newbury last time. First start after a wind operation. <clears throat> Chase Dome uh, Ascension. Uh, it was given a stone, a stone or more weight to, to, to everything else in the race. This horse loves this track and he, he loves this race. He, he won in twenty eighteen. He was close up uh, in twenty nineteen, um, and he, he wasn't too far off Circus Maximus um, last year in this race. Um, I thought he was just in that race in last year. I just thought he was undone by a bit of a slow pace. It favoured those on the front end. He had to pull wide. He was on the wrong side of the track. I just thought there was reasons to upgrade that performance. And I just think he's coming into himself. I think he's in good heart at the moment. I really like that newbie run. So I thought without, I think he's about 40 to one without the favourite. So I thought in each way punt there on, on accidental agent and, and bless him. But uh, yeah, a small bet, you know, without, without the favourites to, to be involved in the first race, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Sounds good. Um, Andrew? Yeah, very similar to uh, Daryl. I thought Palace Pier was bomb-proof. Uh, I, I know his only defeat came at this track, but Frankie Dettori was looking down that day and uh, the ground was absolutely desperate. And uh, I think you can safely draw a line through that. So that certainly seems to be the case on what he's achieved since. He bolted up in the lockinge. Um, and in terms of looking for a, an each-way alternative all without the favourite, um, like Daryl, I thought, bless him, had um, half a chance given his love for the track. But I thought Sir Busker and Top Rank were more interesting. Top Rank's progressive. He's got an extremely high career strike rate. He was placed behind Palace Pier at uh, Newbury last time out. He won't mind the quicker ground. And uh, Sir Busker, I thought, was particularly interesting. He was an eye-catcher on his seasonal debut. That was over course and distance, finishing third. 
Um, ran in France last time out. We ran okay. Never seriously involved from off the pace. He's drawn um, closer to Palace Pier than his top rank. I'm a little bit worried about stall one for top rank. He might be a bit sort of drawn out of it. What could be a steadily run race? So uh, Sabuska each way or without the favourite is the one I've come down on the side of. OK, uh, plenty of value then in that uh, first race. You can either have a little bit on all of them and hope one or two pay off or pick uh, which one you prefer. On to the Coventry Stakes then, Group 2. We've got American and Irish Raiders currently leading the market from a betting point of view. Coffee Maker, she's a monster of a horse, isn't she? Really looking forward to seeing how she gets on. She bolted up in her maiden. I think there's loads of um, videos and uh, footage for pieces of her work as well on Twitter, on YouTube, all of that. So do check uh, those out. I think she'd be the better of the week for me. I'm really looking forward to seeing Coffee Maker. As I say, she's a monster if you see her in the flesh. And I won't get to, unfortunately. Um, Andrew? Um, I quite like Massetto here for uh, Donica O'Brien. Um, this one was um, a, a winner on um, his debut at Navan, and then he was favourite to beat Castle Star at the Curra in the um, the Marble Hill Stakes Group Three contest. There was a really strong bias that day. The uh, the Stamside Rail was dead. All the winners were coming um, down the middle of the track or, or in the big handicaps later on, on the far side. Mm-hmm. So um, Castle Star got clear daylight down the middle of the track, whereas Massetto met trouble, dropped back, and then came again and race closer to the standside rail than was ideal. So I thought he had a chance of reversing the form here. I thought you could f- easily forgive that. It was still a good effort. He stayed on to finish a two-length second in the Group 3. Um, but I thought Misetto was um, the one to take from that race rather than the winner. I know a lot of people were taken by the winner because he travelled so strongly throughout. Could be called the winner from some way out. But I thought Misetto at the prices was the way to go here. Okay. Farrell? Yeah, really good race this again. Um, Berkshire Shadow is the one I'm going to side with at a big price. Um, the debut run at Newbury, I was really taken with it. Basically fell out of the stalls, um, lost plenty of lengths on the field um, and then made up significant ground in really eye-catching fashion to finish really strongly uh, to come out a winner. He looked like he was probably going to finish about fourth or fifth. You know, you would have turned around and said, that was a great run, keep an eye on him for next time. Um, But he he got the job done um, and I was just so taken by it. Gisborne was obviously behind that day. Um, I think he would have finished a lot closer with a clearer run. He's obviously frank the form. He's a nice horse. I think the two of those are, are where my my focus is going to be for mm. this race. Uh, this Berkshire Shadow, obviously stepping up the six furlongs now, it's definitely going to suit um, on pedigree. Uh, and yeah, I, I, it's just a really eye-catching performance. Uh, and you've not really got a lot to go on in these races. Have you? These um, unexposed two-year-olds, you know, they're yeah. going to take big steps forward or they're not going to, you know, perform to the level they have done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, every, every bet you have in these two-year-old races, you're taking a little bit of a risk. But I thought Berkshire Shadow and Gisborne would be the, the two that I would uh, be most interested in. Yeah, and the current prices I've got for them are very different as well. So Gisborne is only sevens, whereas Berkshire Shadow is about twenty to one. So yeah, I don't understand that. I, mm. I mean, I know Gisborne is already taking that next step forward, you know, next time out. But uh, it, and he does look like a very nice horse. He, it very much reminds me of Mum's Tipple. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, but Berkshire Shadow definitely got plenty more to come and step up trips. Maybe not, quite, maybe not quite as difficult as Mum's Tipple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, the Kings stand next. Group one over five furlongs. We all know that Batash is a banana short of a bunch, if you know anything about racing. Uh, does come here. They're looking to retain his title. We've got the return of the crowds, haven't we, to think about with Batash because he's a very edgy horse and uh, whether that will uh, be a big detriment to him. We'll see. Gerald, um, do you want to start us with the Kings stand, please? Yeah, I, I'm always on the wrong side of the tash, but I just feel like you've got to take him on. 
Uh, he's yep. seven years old now. There is so much pace in this race. It's ridiculous. But Tash is going to go forward. Winter Power is going to go forward. I think Oxford will go forward, dropping back and trip. QMRO, Maven, um, Ornate, Glamorous, Anna. There is so many. There is so much pace. I think this is going to set Liberty up. Liberty Beach made all last time. Exactly. I think there's. I think there's. there's you could just pick a number of front runners, and I don't think Batash is going to have things all his own way. I think he's a bit gets a bit claustrophobic sometimes. Um, like you said, he's he's not all there, is he? Um, I think you got to take him on. I think you got to take him on at the age of seven. I do. Um, and saying that, I'm going to side with an eight-year-old. It's <laughs> a extravagant kid. Uh, I, I I really really like this performance. Uh, his performance in, in Kingland in the um. In a Breeders' Cup turf sprint behind glass slippers that day, but was drawn stall 14, raced about five or six wide round a bend, finished with a power pack punch. Um, this horse is definitely not improving, but runs consistently to a high level. Ran at Maydown last time um, and comfortably took care of final song in the um, in the Alcourt sprint. Uh, that form does need improving on to, to win this, of course, but I just felt there was so much pace in this race that he would just. He always finishes strongly over over five. He, he raced over six. He's won over six, um, and I just thought it was gonna. I thought it was gonna set up perfectly for him. The other one I was quite interested in as well was Kings Lynn because I think I'm not entirely sure that this horse is a five furlong horse, but he does stick to the task very gamely and very strongly. And I just thought if they just sat off the pace with him, he would be. He, he wouldn't be stopping at the finish. And that was the, the angle I was trying to look at. I was trying to. I was hoping there's going to be a pace collapse in this race. Uh, and I'm looking for something that's going to benefit from it. Uh, so Kingsland and Extravagant Kid will be the two that I, I'm going to back. I'm going to back a lot of lot of two. I'm going to back two horses in a lot of races this week. Yeah. I just just where the where the price you've got so many good horses at big prices. I think it's hard to steer away from some of them. Well, I'm copying Kingsland was my value as well in there because it was held up and I thought won well last time in the end. So same thing again if they go too quick, but. Um, yeah, I think about 20s at the moment. Uh, Andrew? Uh, yeah, I'm um, not as restrained as Daryl. I'm going to be backing probably three, four or five horses <laughs> in most races this week. But uh, And in this race, I'm very keen on Arecibo. Um, drawn installed 15 of 15. Um, according to the going stick, that's certainly going to be an advantage on day one. They're saying the ground's marginally quicker towards the stand side. Yeah. Um, obviously, he was a very frustrating type when with David O'Mara. Often ran in big field handicaps, travelled strongly, didn't find, finishing second or third. Uh, he's gone to Robert Cal this year, the Sprint King, who, of course, has um, uh, had a whole host of Group 1 winners and sprints, owned by um, Tom Morley, who you and I have both worked with on radio um, earlier. Yeah. And he's had three runs for the yards, all at Newmarket, two handicap wins and an unlucky running, uh, unlucky in running effort in the Palace House when um, uh, badly hampered. I was really taken by the first of those wins because he was drawn on the wrong part of the track and, and still managed to win comfortably. Slight concern about the size of the field. All his wins have come in fields of 11 or less. But as Daryl says, loads of pace in this race. He's got Jamie Spencer on board. So if you're looking for someone to weave your way through and get a place, then why not? I mean, Batash, um, again, like Daryl, I've always seemed to be on the receiving end of him. Um, you know, if I go with him, he, he gets beat. If I'm against him, he ends up winning, beating my horse into second. Uh, as he did in this race last year, I, I'm hoping that he boils over um, because of the um, you know the crowds coming back and um, you know. I mean, but, but even when you know, uh, even two three years ago when he was second to Blue Point both times there were crowds there. He did that and he still run good races. So yeah. he's he's going to be bang there. But w when he was sort of 15 to eight earlier in the week, I just thought I can take him on at that price. So I'm with Arecibo each way. I, I, I spoke to Tom Morley as owner the other day. He, he said he's extremely well. 
Um, he's obviously up in class, but he feels he's deserved his crack at, uh, a crack at this sort of grade. And uh, he says he hopes he's going to continue to surprise people. And I think with a clear run, he could do that here around about 33 to 1. Yeah, big price. OK. Um, St. James's Palace next then. Uh, this is the first race on the round course. Um, La Barossa, I'm going to stick with uh, La Barossa. Fancying for the Craven, ran well. Ground probably didn't swim in the Irish 2000 guineas. Got some good course form. I just think he's a good horse that just perhaps hasn't had ideal conditions in, in recent starts. So is a little bit of value. So I do have a pick in, in at 420 and it is La Barossa. Um, Andrew, do you want to start us for this? Yeah, cracking race this and hopefully be run at a decent pace. And what we tend to see at Ascot on the round course when there's a decent sized field is that the front runners towards the inside rail get swamped late on by something that's ridden patiently from a highish draw yeah. uh, coming late and wide down the middle of the track. And, uh, you know, with luck, that's what we'll see here. That There's two I liked. Um, one of them is Lucky Vega who um, was only fourth um, behind uh, Max Sweeney at the Curragh in the Irish 2000 last time out. But that was the, the Curragh meeting where there was a massive bias. Every race pretty much was won by a horse who made the running always in the first sort of two or three throughout. Lucky Vega was held up in midfield, did well to finish fourth. The three who beat him were all up with the pace throughout. And um, he was only just chinned at Newmarket in our guineas the time before behind Poetic Flair when again perhaps racing uh, away from the action so I thought Lucky Vega had a good chance of uh, reversing 2000 guineas form of poetic flair and Chinda is another horse I've, I've been a big fan of he, he, he was um, a massive eye catcher when winning on his debut at Doncaster last July because there was a really strong headwind he got no cover from her yet still won now since then he's only been beaten twice once when he hated the ground in the, um, in the Dewhurst on his final start last year and then uh, last time out in the Guineas when he was he failed to settle and, and again he was drawn away from the action. Still ran a good race in fifth. Um, it was a bit worrying before that race and Richard Hannon sort of said he wasn't sure whether he'd end up being a sort of six furlong horse or a ten furlong horse and he changed his mind halfway <laughs> through the winter. Um, so hopefully now the way he stayed on there they, they know he's a, a miler. Um, you know, should get a decent pace to chase with Namu's likely to take them along. And yeah. um, so I'm with Lucky Vega and Chinda. I'll just split stakes between the pair. Okay, Carol. Yeah, I echo Andrew's thoughts about Chindit. I thought um, you can forgive both runs at Newmarket. He didn't enjoy the track, I didn't think. Um, and he did catch the eye stand on really strongly, even though he didn't settle in the race in the Guineas. Um, I think he's got a lot more to come. I really do. His form's working out quite well as well. Um, he's a really nice horse. I just don't want them to... They, they tend to give him hold-up rides. I just don't want them to give him far too much to do. And I you'll just, you'll, can... you'll come away from it. He's ran on well again. Yeah, and that's that's the problem. I, I just I feel like he might be one of those horses that's going to end up catching the eye, catching the eye, catching the eye, and they're not they're not giving him the credit he deserves, I guess. Um, but yeah, I thought he was interesting, and I wanted to give Battleground another another try. That obviously wasn't his running in the Guineas. He he just didn't handle the track at all. I, I just think if you you can put a line straight through that, and if he returns to some of his juvenile form, notably he's a uh, He's run in the, in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf where he was just stuck wide around the hole. He was just forced about six or seven rides around the two bends and uh, he just stuck on so strongly at the finish. He just There were signs of a very good horse. Uh, he does need to bounce back. It's interesting the O'Brien runners have both got first-time tongue ties on in here. So how that's mm. going to affect him, we don't know. But um, yeah, I, this is a belting race. This is, this is so deep. But like we said a couple of weeks ago, I don't think... Outside of St. Mark's Basilica, I don't think there's a standout three-year-old this year. That's why this is so deep, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because they're all very good. I did think Nabarossa was well overpriced at 20-1 to 1 as well because the form lines tie 
with uh, Marshall Assis tie right in with Poetic Flair, don't they? So, yeah. you know, 4-1, 20-1. Uh, but you could sort of make a case for every runner in this in this race, to be honest. It, it's so competitive. Um, but uh, battleground and chinned it, I guess. But I, I don't. I think I'm just going to sit back and watch this race, if I'm being honest. Because I literally could back Labarossa. I could back Thunder Moon, put a line through that last run. And, you know, he was so impressive in the National Stakes last year. There's so many reasons you could for improvement from these horses. It's it's probably not going to be a better race for me. But Labarossa's more value, so just back that one. <laughs> yeah, the only problem, the only thing with Labarossa is, though, do you think that Labarossa is a stronger stayer at, at a mile? Yeah, that, that was my question, Mark. That was all. I mean, I love the horse. I, I just want to see him hit that line hard over a mile. Mm, yeah, yeah, mate. Like in the Craven, I suppose he was headed in the kind of closing stages, but mm. also. <laughs> uh, okay, difficult, difficult one. The, the four twenty then. Um, that's it for the big races. Uh, handicaps for either of you on the Tuesday, um, if there is or isn't anything at the moment. Andrew, do you want to give me any? If you've got any for the handicaps? Yeah, the uh, the two and a half mile Ascot Stakes at five o'clock. Uh, yeah. Willie, Mull- Willie Mullins has got a good record in this race. Four winners uh, and a whole host of placed horses from fifteen runners. Um, all all those winners uh, were, ran over hurdles last time out, as do all three of his qualifiers here. And I was quite interested in uh, Royal Illusion. I think the biggest price of his trio here. Um, again, he's done particularly well with mares that he's run in this race. A winner in two seconds from four starts. And uh, again, she um, uh, she fell in a Grade One hurdle at um, Fairy House last time out, but she likes the ground. I thought she was uh, the most attractively priced of hers. So, yeah, Tom Marquand taking the ride. That looks like a solid booking. So, Royal Illusion in the five o'clock. Yeah, I think currently about 16 to 1 at the time of recording this uh, video I've got. Um, Daryl? 6.10, the final race on the card. I was going to take a stab at Throne Hall at a big price. Um, I thought this horse has just been catching the eye the last few starts. It's form with Illarab has worked out really well. They've met each other a couple of times. Um, and I thought the step-up-in trip was definitely going to suit Throne Hall in the 6-10. Off a mark of 100. Yeah, still a, a lightly raced four-year-old is Throne yeah. Hall. Andrea Mazzini rides for his uh, retained owners. I think about 12 to 1, but was bigger, was 16. So again, at the time of, of recording this uh, video. On to Wednesday then, and we've got the Queens of Oz coming up at 3.05, and it's another long-distance race, Route 2, and Aidan O'Brien, will he dominate this race again, as he often does? Um, Daryl, would you like to start us for that 3.05 on Wednesday? Yeah, uh, this this race is always a good pointer to the to the St. Ledger later on in the season. Um, a couple of horses have done the, the double for Aidan O'Brien. I like one of his, is, is Arturo Toscanini. Um, I actually backed this horse at 100 to 1 for the Derby, just didn't show up. Um, he just he's not quick at all, but he managed to win over seven furlongs in his debut at the car. It was heavy ground, um, and then he came to Newmarket and just ran no sort of race at all. Now that is my one concern. He's now travelling again, and yeah. I'm just wondering if that if it was the travel or if it was Newmarket. I'm hoping it was something different, but. Then goes back to the car in a group three and he finished second to Ellswood. Stayed on really strongly at the finish. I know, again, soft and heavy ground. But I think I think the trip will counteract the ground. It, you know what I mean? I think he's a, a stayer rather than a than ground-dependent horse. Uh, to, to achieve what he's achieved in three runs, I think it's quite remarkable, really. Um, not the choice of Ryan Moore. He goes for the expensive uh, Wordsworth. But Ryan's got it wrong a couple of times. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, Arturo Toscanini. I just thought he's so unexposed. He looks just like the le- just like a ledger type to me. Um, yeah, I'd take a stab at him. 
Yeah, and it's uh, it's kind of super each way betting race. This isn't it. We've got fairly short price Wordsworth, and then uh, loads of each way value. Um, Andrew. Uh, yeah, tricky one. I mean, since they um, changed this race to a mile six contest and upped it to group two status, four trainers have dominated, Aidan O'Brien, John Gosden, Charlie Appleby and Andrew Balding. Those four have had um, 14 of the 16 horses who finished in the first four. So if, if there's bookies offering sort of, you know, each way four places, it might be worth concentrating on that quartet. I mean, Stradivarius won this at 11 to 2. That must be the hindsight bet of the century. Um, but the, the one I was leaning towards was a re- recovery run. Since this was, um, since they cut this race back and upped it in class, Andrew Balling's had four runners. Um, he's had a winner and two seconds in that time. And I thought recovery run, despite uh, a couple of poor efforts this season, might be worth chancing. Now, didn't like the soft ground at um, Lingfield last time in the Derby trial. The time before that, ran as though the outing were needed when uh, down the field at Sandown. Um, has, has got winning form on good to firm ground. I thought with those two runs behind him now, he took a while to sort of get going last season. Uh, mm. I just thought this track might suit as well. And so, yeah, recovery run, 16 to 1, 20 to 1, might just be worth a couple of quid each way. But it's only a very tentative stab. Yeah, good though each way price, that one, as you say, I think about 16 here. Uh, and Arturo Toscanini for Daryl. That's for that 305. Uh, the Duke of Cambridge next, group two for the ladies over a mile. I know Daryl keeps trying to slag the form of Lady Bowthorpe, but I'm ignoring <coughs> looking forward to seeing her again for Emma Banks. I thought that was a really good run behind Hallie's Pier. Uh, Daryl left my each way selection out <laughs> of the park, so he's not allowed to even talk about Lady Bowthorpe for this. Um, no, but I do, I do like her, but obviously she's very short now. So uh, dropping into group two company, they're looking forward to seeing how she gets on and... Uh, because of Daryl's meanness about it, we'll let Andrew start. Yeah, when uh, I, I was looking at my sort of, you know, five favourites to oppose uh, Royal Ascot oh, column no. for Gigi, I, I looked, had a good hard look at Lady Bowthorpe, looked at the price and thought, oh, and I couldn't pick holes in her. Um, you want, is, is she going to like the track? She'll be fine on it. Will she like the ground? Absolutely fine. She's incredibly consistent. And you could argue that because she's trained by William Jarvis and not a John Gosden, she's, she's probably overpriced. overpriced at the current. <laughs> yeah. And again, the good thing as well, if you if you do fancy her or th- you think you might back her, you've got the chance to see how the uh, the lockings form unfolds on day one with the winner and third taking each other on again. So, you know, if they yeah. finish, if they finish one, two, just adds more weight to the case. But again, I, I'm going to take her on uh, at the prices. Go for an each-way stab with um, Champers Elise here for Johnny Murta. Um, now, again, this one ran at that uh, Curra meeting on the 22nd of May, where it was a massive, massive advantage to be up with the pace. And um, she was favourite for a, a Group 2 contest uh, for Phillies and Mares and just... You know, was given a hold-up ride. She, uh, she was six to five. Never got into the race. She's actually run much better than her finishing position suggests. And again, you look at the first three home. You know, led after a furlong, um, chase leaders. Um, the third started quickly, um, led, and, and it was just a case of not being able to make ground up from off the pace. This will be more to her liking. Should be run to suit her. Come from behind styles are ideal for Ascot. She's twelve to one or thereabouts. So yeah, each way Champers Elise for me. Okay. Uh, currently, again, at the time of recording, about 10 to 1, I've got fish on Pasolise, so each way value. Uh, Daryl? Yeah, I'm, gonna t- I'm obviously going to take Lady Bo for Bob. Yeah, I just don't believe she's improved that much in two, in two runs this season. I, I just I don't, really. She beat Queen Power by a head on her penultimate start and season reappearance. Mm. Um, and then she chased home Palace Pier and she's priced 
on her finish finishing second to Palace Pier. And I just am of the opinion that a lot of horses underperformed in that race. Um, so I'm definitely going to take her on. I think outside of that Palace Pier run, the form horse in the race is Agincourt, who finished second last year, uh, ahead second to, to Nazif. This horse has run her best races, second time out. Um, and she was, I thought she put in a great performance at Goodwood in that listed race. She was giving a lot of weight to two progressive three-year-olds who finished, who she split. Um, mm. Obviously, the, uh, the third, like that road's come out and ran a good race behind Creative Flair next time at Newbury. Um, so I do I do like that form, and she always seems to take a te- step forward. Uh, she won second time out in uh, in 2019. She was ahead second to Nazif in this race in 2020. Um, I think she's a title to improve again, um, and she's consistently underestimated. So I think around 16 to 1, I think she, she's, a, she's a cracking bet, really. Um, no problem with the course, the ground. I think she's got the best form in the race, perhaps. Um, so yeah, I think she's going to bounce back to form. The other one was bounce. I keep saying bounce, bounce the blues is the other one. Um, very, very lightly raced. And if she would have got a clear run at Lingfield in the group three last time, she would have bolted up. She would have absolutely bolted up in that race. And there's not a chance if she would have, she would have got that clear run, she'd be a 16 to one shot in there. She is so lightly raced, improving with every single start. Has done nothing wrong. I love that she's got a smart turn of foot. She's a strong stayer. There is definitely more to come from her as well. Um, so they're the two, both at 16 to 1, I think. Um, I'm going to back both of them against Lady Beaufort. <laughs> okay. Uh, so adding Court and Bats Blues, as Dara just said, I think both are about 16 to 1. And Champs-Elysees for Andrew, 10s, and I'm going with the favourite boring Lady Beaufort. I've just got to, just to stick it to Daryl when she wins. <laughs> Um, let's move on anyway <laughs> the Prince of Wales stakes um, group 1 420 we've got last year's winner we talked about Lord North earlier um, that's where Lord North is going next um, has obviously had a stint over in Dubai he's now back here but uh, may well be just as warm by the looks of things um, Darrell would you like to start with Lord North um, not with Lord North but yeah um... not with him but with him <laughs> <laughs> yes um, again another cracking race um, love is surprisingly a big price, I think, which I'm always slightly concerned when something is surprisingly bigger than I thought yeah. it should be. Um, and she's making her seasonal reappearance. So what to expect, I don't know. And she's probably going to have, I say bigger tights. I mean, this is a group one, but her ultimate aim is probably going to be for the arc later in the, later in the season, isn't it? Um, look, she'll be fit, fit to do herself justice, no doubt about that. I, I want to take on the head of the market here. I think there's one that's well overpriced in this race, and that horse is Audaria. James Franchel. Um, I think she <clears throat> has arguably the strongest piece of one of the strongest pieces of form in this race with her with her third to Tanawa at, at Longchamp. Um, Tanawa went out next time and won the Breeders' Cup turf over in uh, over in Keenland, um, beating Magical Channel Maker and Lord North. And Alpine Star split the pair, Aldaria and Tanawa. That horse has got the strongest form lines, you know, outside of Palace Pier, in my opinion. Um, and the fact that she was only three quarters of a length off, off the winner that day, I think she's got plenty more to come. She goes very well fresh. Um, she's, a, she's a massive price for, for the form lines that she's shown. I just don't understand why she's such a big price. Maybe it's because she's making a reappearance. Don't worry, Andrew, we'll tell you in a minute because he's <laughs> nodding his head, so he can tell you why, I think. Uh, or Darya, then, for you, is a big price, as you say, so you can back that one each way. I know there's not going to be many runners, but all the same, or without a favourite or whatever. Uh, Andrew? 
Tell us yeah, why Odoria yeah, is 61. I mean, I'm a big big fan of Odoria, um, Breeders' Cup winner, of course, but I just thought she's better in a bigger field because she needs she can fail to settle in small fields. And she's zero from three on her seasonal debuts. So I know one of those, she was you know beating her nose, but I, I just thought maybe it was a case of the race won't be run to suit and the, there are bigger targets for her in the autumn. But you know, I'm not, okay. not going to poo-poo a 16 to one shot because there's very little upside because um, you know, if you're right, people say, "Well, of course she got beat. She was sixteen to one." And if you're wrong, you look like a complete turner. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, I mean, is that the word we're using today? So we're <laughs> remember what we said: no potty mouth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, this is really tricky now. It's it's cut up. There's there's not a great deal of pace um, in in the race, and you just wonder. What, I mean, maybe Sangarius, um, Sangarius, who probably needs it softer anyway. Um, will there be a bit of a sort of tactical battle here armory could be up there it is i mean that one is probably the way i'd go here thinking that love's got the bigger autumn targets and she might just need this lord north would ideally need it softer despite being impressive in this race last year mm. and so it's just messy for me and i just think given that you're probably going to get a steady pace sangarius then armory tracking that one in second the others held up might just be a case of Armory getting first run and, and the third favourite causing a, a very minor upset. But yeah, it was a race I was finding it tricky to uh, find a way into, really. Okay, that's absolutely fine. Um, what have we got next? Um, anything else on Wednesday? We're on to the handicaps for Wednesday, so I'm sure there will be. Um, some difficult races again. Handicaps will have plenty more runners. Um, Daryl, is there anything you like in any of the big handicaps? Uh, I do like one for the uh, for the Queen Mary, the first race of the day. Okay, that's fine. Uh, De- Desert Dreamer, um, unbeaten in two starts. She has been very, very impressive to do what she did, to do what she's done so early in her career, a track like Newmarket, and to win from the unpromising positions that she found herself in. Marked her down as a as a useful horse in my eyes. Got to take on obviously this Wesley Ward hot pot, Twilight Gleaming, but uh, I think Desert. Dreamer's got a lot more to come, and the form has worked out remarkably well as well. Uh, the six ten, I wanted to side with Stunning Beauty. Tipped her up last time um, on uh, on her return. She went over to Maydown, ran two terrible races, then she came back at Doncaster yeah. after a short break, and she beat, beat Le Bon. Um, I think she's got tons more to come. I'll do this horse, and I don't think this is that deep of a race. Um, they was once quoting this horse as being a, a Group One filly, so. Uh, I think she's got a lot more to come. She's top to improve for that run at Doncaster. Very lightly raced. Uh, and she's already beaten Loitzon, who's the fav in here. I know Loitzon's probably improved since then. Yeah. But she destroyed her at Leicester. Um, and I think she's a bit of value in the race at about 10 to 1. OK. Uh, anything else? That's it for Wednesday. Andrew? Yeah. Um, beat Le Bon in the Hunt Cup, which one I mentioned anti-post when he was about 50s. But he, he's into 20s and he's drawn in stall two on the far side. But he ran an astonishing race on his comeback at Newmarket. Yeah. Uh, that was the first day of the Craven meeting when the um, the Golden Highway was in full operation. If you weren't prominent and drawn high up that standside rail, you didn't have a prayer. He's kept on into fifth down the middle of the track from off the pace. He's gone to Leicester next time, four runners, and rather foolishly elected to make the running, which put paid to his chances. He bounced back to form on a straight um, track at Doncaster last time, finishing second by a head. I thought it might be a case of all roads lead to Goodwood because he's two from two in handicaps at Goodwood. But it's interesting they've come here and he's been well backed in recent days. It's just I've not looked at the race yet to see uh, if there's a, enough pace on that far side. 
whether the evidence of day one will tell us that uh, you know, whether a low draw is you know, possible to overcome or not. So I'll sort of I'll put a tentative vote next to beat Le Bon, but I do need to do more work on it. So you know, keep an eye on my column for um, uh, to, to see whether I've actually bet the horse or not. Okay, yeah, I think beat Le Bon currently about twenty-two to one. Um, anything else? Uh, that's it for me. Okay, um, they're obviously the handicaps. As we've said already, there obviously is going to be other selections throughout and they will update things because I think we are forecast on rain Tuesday night. We don't know what they're going to do about watering for tomorrow, so ground conditions um, could change as well. Um, is there anything just quickly later on in the week that either of you already know you're going to back? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just um, um, breeze through them. On Thursday in the Britannia Stakes, air-to-air, trained by George Bowie, Ideal ride for Jamie Spencer, come from behind horse who um, won off a decent pace to Doncaster last time over at Straight Mile. He's favourite, but 12 to 1 favourite, so he showed things okay. to suit. Uh, our old friend Mo Salita has entered in the, uh, the 610 on Friday. She's, I think, 5 from 5 now since joining Adrian Nichols. Uh, it be fascinating to see how she gets on. And then uh, on Saturday, a couple in the Wokingham, repartee for Kevin Ryan, first run after the wind up. And uh, fresh for James Fanshawe, who's a course and distance winner, has got the ideal uh, patient running style for the track. Uh, and finally, in the Hardwick Stakes on Saturday, mile and a half group two, um, Highland Chief, who was only fifth of the six runners in the Coronation Cup at Epsom the other day, um, but it's better below grade one company. And he's had two runs at Royal Ascot before, uh, won a handicap here at 20 to one last year, and in 2019 was third to Pinatubo when 14 one for the Chesham. So I thought coming back to Ascot was the key to Highland Chief there. Okay. Uh, and again, please do keep looking at the uh, Twitter and the gg.co.uk page because they will be updated and Andrew and Daryl's personal uh, social medias as well in case they change their mind or in case any of those don't go. Daryl? Um, just, I'll just give you one. Thursday, 6.10, the Buckingham Palace uh, handicap. Aldari is going to run... Um, He's a three-year-old. He's getting nine pounds from his uh, rivals. He's effectively running off a mark of 96. And he's already recorded a racing post rating of 111 over the course and distance at Ascot. That is a group horse in a handicap. Okay. Uh, and I've got two as well for later on in the week because I won't be doing an updated version of Thursday or Friday. So companionship, big each-way prize in the Sandringham. Um, easy ground-wise, versatile, I thought. But beat Canal at Door, Fairman Square, I and mean, made on the all-weather. That one's bolted up recently at Goodwood, so I think that one looks a bit of value after being disappointing. I say disappointing, was hiked right up in grade last time. Uh, companionship, this a bit easier. So, like companionship in the Sandringham and uh, Hello You. Um, I tipped that horse up when she bolted up at Wolverhampton. Nice horse, one by six lengths, could have won by a lot further. She should go in the Albany. So, they're the two for later in the week for me. Um, from both of you, strongest, fancy, best bet out of all the ones we've talked about, please? Um, I'll go Arecibo in the King's Stand Stakes on day one, 33 to 1 to uh, blast us to the front with a bit of luck. <laughs> okay, Daryl? Aldari on Thursday uh, in okay. 6.10, bet, not okay. bet of the week. And mine is boring, it's the favourite, it's Coffee Maker in the Coventry for Wesley Ward. I know it's boring, but sorry. Or companionship, that's the next best bet, so if that's too short for you. Uh, that's it. We've tried to whiz through them as best we can to not to bore you for too long. Fingers crossed there will be 
Uh, some winners in there. We had a good weekend last weekend as well uh, with a couple of the selections and that's going in. As I said, please do check out the guys' um, social media, Daryl Carter and Andrew is Trend Horses. So check them out on Twitter. They update their personal pages all the time and gg.co.uk as well as the GG Twitter as well. There'll be loads of uh, stuff on there, more than ever, of course, this week with it being Royal Ascot. So we'll do our best to keep you updated. Do go on the website, gg.co.uk, for all the race cards, all videos and extra tips. And uh, I hope we've helped you some for the, the week ahead. 